This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and I want to thank you all for joining us again today. Ringler Radio is here to bring you all the important news and information you need to know about the settlement industry. And our topics address issues important to trial attorneys, defense attorneys, clients, and everyone involved with the structured settlement industry. You can find all Ringler Radio shows on our website, ringlerassociates.com, or the legaltalknetwork.com. Well, today we're coming to you from the 2007 NSSTA annual meeting up here in beautiful downtown Toronto. We're at the Fairmont Royal York, a beautiful hotel, and uh, I just want to tell you, if any of you have not been to Toronto, it's a wonderful city, and I think you all should come right up and see it. Don't you agree? I agree. Absolutely. Well, joining me today as my co-host is another one of our Ringler Associates, Tracy Cass. And Tracy is a settlement annuity specialist in our Newport Beach, California office, and she has over 12 years of experience in structured settlements. Uh, She's... uh, been with Ringler for a few years now, and uh, before that, she ho- she's held a life and disability license in California. She's very active in organizations out there, and uh, really has just been, uh, you've been doing an awful lot here, Tracy, in the last few years. Very, very busy. Very busy. Well, I want to thank you for being here today. Tracy, why don't you go ahead and introduce our special guest? Well, Larry, one of the most pressing issues for accident victims is successful financial management. If you understand this better than Megan, she's a project manager for the World Institute on Disabilities Access Access to Assets program and a beneficiary of a structured settlement. Ms. O'Neill will speak about financial planning for accident victims at the NSSTA 2007 annual conference. In March 2006, she was honored with the prestigious American Association of People with Disabilities Paul G. Hearn Award, recognizing emerging leaders in the disability community. She has a BS degree in communication studies with a double minor in linguistic Anthropology and Death Studies of the University of Texas at Austin. Welcome. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Megan, um, it's a pleasure to have you here today. And boy, I'll tell you that those degrees sound very interesting <laughs> to me. Linguistic anthropology. Yeah, I and probably death have a mix of that no one else in the world. <laughs> I had a hard time saying it. <laughs> that is, uh, that's got to be unique. Well, Megan, you know, for those of you who are listening and, and, and can't be here to see, you know, Megan is sitting here in a wheelchair, and she is the victim of a, of a tragic accident that occurred uh, almost 13 years ago now. Um, and from that accident and from her experiences, she uh, brings some tremendous insight into the financial management for people with disabilities. But I thought it would be great, Megan, before we talk about some of the things you're doing in the field, to really go over your own accident uh, situation and some of the decisions you made around your own financial management, right. which I think will be very instructive to our audience. So why don't you tell us about uh, your accident and where and when it happened and, and some of those issues that uh, we just mentioned. Yeah, I was I was in a car accident. Um, I had received a debate scholarship to go to the University of Texas. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, 
uh, we were on a trip, uh, a debate trip, and on the way back, it was a you know the the entire team was on the way back from Las Vegas, Nevada, and we were traveling back, driving um, back to Austin, Texas, and uh, the driver fell asleep, mm. and so there was it, it was a university accident. It was there was we were in a large fourteen passenger van, and mm-hmm. there were nine of us in the van. The boy I was sitting next to was 19 years old and was killed instantly and I was the one that had the most um, permanent disability Um, but uh, there were five others that were severely injured in the accident so it was was a major trauma absolutely (laughs) yeah well of course and because of the nature of being a university uh, function Mm -hmm. and and the automobiles involved and on the various highways I'm sure there were complications in terms of It was of the, very the complicated. Yeah. It was very complicated. Um, I learned that you had to ask permission to sue the state of Texas because we were, it was a state school. Yes. And so you had to receive permission to even file the lawsuit. And then there was a cap on, because it is a state and they have state reforms, they've done tort reform. And mm-hmm. there was a cap on the total amount of money that was available for the entire accident, not just one person, but mm-hmm. the entire accident. And it, it it really opened my eyes to um, the entire process of you know that the, the, there's a myth out there that you know people that are in accidents that there's just tons of money available and that's just not always true. So. Well, at the same time, I'm sure your lawyer was very helpful in trying to work through some of those right. the maze to try right. to get to the result. Yeah. Well, yeah. at some point, obviously, this case I would assume settled without trial. Is oh that yeah, right? absolutely. Yes. <laughs> they didn't want to do that. <laughs> and so once the, once the case settled and there was a, f- a fund of, of money available to you, uh, you were offered, I would assume, some choices in how that money would come to you. Tell us about the choices that were offered. Yeah. um, The money was through two different sources. One was through the university, since it was a university-affiliated accident, um, and the other was the driver's personal insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I got the money from the university, just cash and the choices I was given from the insurance and under with my lawyer and our financial managers was that they wanted to do a structured settlement and I had never heard of structured settlements I was 18 years old at the time I'd never I mean I was going through uh, an incredible amount of change at that time and so um, structured settlement was a was a very new concept and uh my background, um, everyone in my family has some kind of financial. My mom works at a bank. My dad was a commodities trader. Um, my brother ha- is a CPA. I mean, everyone has some kind of financial background. And I'm sure they all had opinions. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they all had opinions. And my dad was very much against the structured settlement. That's, very a, that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah very much so. He, uh, you know, he was a broker, commodities trader in the 70s, and he, you know, Financial risk is nothing he's adverse to. I mean, that, that's his name. It's his middle name. Roll and so, the dice. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was in 1996. And in 1996, we were still on a pretty good roll. With mm. The bottom hadn't fallen out. And, you know, he was looking at it in the sense of, listen, if you get this big chunk of money all at once, you can invest it and be set for the rest of your life. You never have to worry about it. And um, it was too much risk for me. You know, I I was um, dealing with a lot of change, and I wanted a little more stability. And so that's why I... Who did you rely on in terms of... Bouncing off these these concepts and ideas, did you did you talk to your lawyer about that, or were there other financial people uh, in in addition to your family? Uh, and, and was there a structured settlement broker at all involved in this discussion? There wasn't really a structured settlement broker involved as much. Um, it was largely through um, the insurance 
through the the woman that was driving her mm-hmm. insurance mm-hmm. that was really wanting the structured settlement. Right. Um, my lawyer, you know, he he was uh, pretty objective about the whole yep. process. He presented the options that they were giving me, and he said, you know, you don't have to take this. He's like, you, you do what's in your best interest. I don't, I'm not going to force anything on you, but I want you to know that there are these options out here. And, you know, there was the three different options of the structured settlement that they gave me were one was just a flat annuity payment, the same amount for the rest of my life. Well, you know, every month. Right. And there was another one that was a delayed payment. And, you know, it was five years, no money, and then more money right. per month. And another one that was, a lump sum in the beginning, and then it delayed and wouldn't start again. And did they? Did, were you offered uh, any of these inflation factor cases? You know, we, we call it com- <laughs> compounding features. Uh, no, that was not an option. And oh, unfortunately, really? um, at the time, since I was so new to the process, that wasn't something that I was even thinking about. And, and I feel like that, looking back in retrospect, that would have been one of the things that I would have done differently. So now, yeah. thirteen years later, you're receiving uh, monthly payments, and they're mm-hmm. the same monthly payment every yeah. month. They're the same and, as what I, they were thirteen years ago, and right. it'll be the same thirteen years from now. And so, I'm sure, I'm sure, thirteen years ago, they seemed sufficient. Oh and, yeah. yeah, they were they were nice then. <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting because you know we and Tracy and I have we do so many of these as as all brokers do, and we try to present the option of a of a flat payment. Forever, and mm-hmm. and then we have ones that grow over time, and they start a little less, but they grow in, in the future. and And it's always interesting to see why people choose what they choose. and And hearing you say that, in in retrospect, if you had the option to choose one of those graduated, you know, compounding feature mm-hmm. uh, monthly payments, you you probably would have chosen that. Well, yes, I I think that. Every situation is very unique, mm-hmm. and I think that that is one of the things um, with different kinds of people with different kinds of disabilities that it has to be adjusted for. Because my situation, I was convinced that I was eventually going to work and have a you know, full-time job. I was like, I don't really need the same, I don't have the same needs as some people that have um, catastrophic injuries right. where the employment's not a possibility. I never, that never even crossed my mind that I wouldn't continue and finish college, that I wouldn't have a job someday. And so I knew that it didn't really, I mean, I wasn't going to expect this to be my income for life. And so that's kind of the factor that went through my head was that I needed the money to get through college. I needed the money to, you know, yeah. I you. yeah so that was, that was, um, the primary factor of the, the decision-making process that I went through at that time. And that's a lot of decisions at 18. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty overwhelming Absolutely. process. How, how long, and, 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 as an instruction for our, our, our audience out there, how long were you given to make these decisions uh, from the time this settlement took <laughs> place? Was it uh, a matter of days? or weeks or months? It was, I believe, and this has been 13 years ago, Mm -hmm. so I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but um, we did the lawsuit track out a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was finally given the options for the the structured settlement, I believe I had 60 days. I mean, I had enough time where I um, could really think the process through as much as, you know, someone can, you know, and and I think that, now I look back on it, and it would have been in my best interest to have my own financial planner that was not 
part of the insurance, not part of, you know, that it was more objective. Interesting, and, interesting. Well, you know, you mentioned that you, there wasn't a structured broker in the process with you, but I can, I can assure you that behind the scenes there was a structured broker oh, yeah. that was trying to put together plans really that would, they were taking the funds that were available to you in the settlement and trying to come up with options, as mm-hmm. you saw, for, for, for hopefully your be, in your best interest. But yes, it's always a good idea to have uh, someone there to evaluate that with you, and I right. think that's that's interesting. Um, of course, your dad was he wanted to do a little bit <laughs> more risky thing, but ultimately, yeah. uh, ultimately, how does your dad feel about the structure settlement now? Ultimately, I think that you know, I, I, I when I told uh, Peter when I first yes. agreed to do this conference, I said, you know, I do, I do refrain. It's hard sometimes to not tell him I told you so, but you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think good. that he does recognize that it was certainly in my best, in my best interest. Well, so. I, I think that's very, I'm glad we went over this because I think the audience is going to get some really good insight into how a real life situation, uh, how you dealt with it mm-hmm. and, and some of the, you know, the pros and cons that you've seen as you've gone through time. And I think it's a, a plus that you, you look upon this now as a positive thing that you've done with the structured settlement. But, you know, at the same time, I guess you wish there were little tweaks here or there that, yeah, that maybe yeah. didn't happen. Well, that's always the case, I think. <laughs> well, why don't, we, why don't we switch gears now, and t- why don't you tell us a little bit more about this Access to Assets program? I know that's uh, mm-hmm. dear to your heart. Uh, yeah. Tell us about your role as project manager, and also for the World Institute on Disabilities program yeah. here. What, well, I think I... Um, I'd never really thought of myself as being someone that was interested in financial planning. I mean, that was more the rest of my family's role, and I I didn't have any interest in that. And then the more I saw that things like structured settlements, that financial planning, how that really does affect people's lives, that's one of the biggest concerns, I think, for people with disabilities is that it has not been an issue that's been discussed. And that's what the program is all about. It's becoming more financially savvy. It's learning what your rights are, what programs are out there to help people um, get out of poverty, give up benefits, mm. um, build wealth, and really have some economic security. Megan, what challenges do you face in your job? <laughs> challenges. <laughs> um, first of all, the fact that a lot of people with disabilities are um, so poor. They live mm-hmm. in such abject poverty that um, they believe that that's all they deserve and that they don't have a right to demand more of mm. themselves, of society. Uh-huh. And, and that's a big challenge. You know, that's, that's a, a, a psychological you know, effect and of, of disability. And it's something that we work very hard to change is that you have the right to work. You can work. You right. are a productive citizen and you should demand it of yourself and society. Exactly. You know, and these are the people that don't have the ombudsman, the, you know, the, the person sticking up and talking for them. And that's, that's why it's so important for you to do that. Well, I'm sure that many of the people you work with in the disability field have inspired you in some way. Mm-hmm. T- tell me about that. How, the, every day you get up and you're dealing with these problems these people have, and it must be inspirational. Yeah, I mean, I, I get calls from all of the country. One of the things that we do is do a lot of technical assistance and training and as, all, as well as provide uh, information and referral services to a lot of people with disabilities. And I do get a lot of calls from individuals that um, – are, are struggling with either being in an accident or receiving some small lump sum payment and they don't know what to do with it. And mm-hmm. they're, they're confused and excited. I mean, partly that they, they're finally getting money that they think they deserve, but they don't know how to, how to manage it. And there isn't anybody out there that's helping them and they feel a little left, you know, in the cold. So what do you think been... would be the, the number one benefit from your guidance that they're receiving? 
I think that that hearing from someone that's been through the experience and someone that is not um, more objective. I mean, yeah. I think that that's one of the advantages of working for a nonprofit organization like the one I work for is that we don't have an, an agenda here. Right. We are out for people's best interest. And that is what my primary concern is, is that we focus on what is best for the individual. And the advice I give is not um, about some insurance company. It's not about anything. It's just, this is what we feel like would be best for you. And we give people advice and, you know, you can take it or not. And hopefully people um, make better decisions about their financial management because mm-hmm. of what we do. You know, you chose a structured settlement. We talked about that, and uh, there were people that helped you make that decision. And uh, as you look back, um, briefly we mentioned it, but as you look back, uh, what, what's, what would you recommend for someone that's involved in a, in a situation where coming into money, uh, who should be there to help that person? <laughs> <laughs> who should be there? Um, I do think that it is very important, and I would have liked – I mean, I think that my lawyer – did have a lot of financial planning knowledge as well as he wanted to be objective and insist that I didn't have to be um, convinced or coerced into making decisions that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable making. And it it was nice to have him on my side and he did all the negotiation. And so that that was not something I didn't have to do that myself. And, and I think that 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 takes a lot of pressure off of individuals that are handling, you know, situations like that. Financial planning, it probably would have been better to have someone that was also on my side at the time, because, you know, those are decisions that are so long-term that unless you have someone that's incredibly knowledgeable and has worked in those areas for a long time, you know, it's not something that you can think 20, 30 years into the future. About. And, and I assume also that that person has to be someone you have confidence and has credibility with mm-hmm. you and you can trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's always the key. Uh, there's, right. so many, there's so many people vying for, for you know, your yeah. attention. How do, how do you sift through <laughs> all the clutter? It does seem a little, um, you know, I mean, when we went through the accident, my, my family and I, um, there were lawyers coming up to my parents when I was still in the hospital. I mean, like, uh, you know, and, and my, you know, we had never been through anything like that and and dealing with that level of you know I mean just they were just in the cafeteria and they would have lawyers come up to them and say you know you you need representation as soon as possible have representation and and I think that the whole process you know who to trust is an incredibly important decision and and that's um, not always easy especially if you don't have you know primary knowledge of if you didn't have a lawyer in the first place how do you know who do you get a referral to on going mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, someone that knows about structured settlements right. and different things like that? And that's, you know, that's not always easy to find. Wow. Well, we're really interested in talking with you, too. You kind of have a, a mantra of being a risk risk taker. And, uh, <laughs> how important is taking a risk? It's it's absolutely essential, in my opinion. Um, it, it's it's funny that because when uh, when they asked me to do this, um, structured settlements are, are certainly not considered to be all that risky. And so um, when I talk to people about, you know, my take on the structured settlement is that I really feel that it's the one thing that has allowed me to take risks in my life. And for a person with a disability, that's a foreign concept. It really is because you are considered someone to be protected. 
and that you need to be coddled and sheltered and that you're not allowed to take the same risks as other people because you're fragile. And for me, I was always the kind of person, everything I did before my accident, everything I've done after is that if I wanted to do something, I was going to go out there and do it. And being able to take the risks and have that financial security, that's what's allowed me to do it. I could move to California, you know, not having any real, you know, idea of what I was going to do because, you know, I had that security and, you know, to take risks. That's how you... You yeah, know, you, have, you have that. You have that continuous monthly income that's so comforting. Yeah. It's got to be to you yeah. to, to have that to have that come in. You know, it's interesting. I, it's I more secure to, than any job yeah. I know. I, I, and, I, and, and it's tax free. Exactly. And I, I had to chuckle when you when you said that uh, structured settlements really aren't the risky piece of the business, which is true. Although it's funny how many people out there, when you're trying to to, yes. to convince them of a structure, will talk about well, it, there's a risk. And I, I'm reminded of the time I, I had a lawyer once. Uh, Say to me, I was offering a a hundred thousand dollar lump sum payment as part of a structured settlement program that was going to come out in twenty years, and it was going to be with a major life insurance company. and the, And the lawyer looked at me and said, "Well, how do I know that life insurance company is going to be here in twenty years?" You know, and I said, "Well, you know, the honest answer is you really don't, but mm-hmm. the the chances are, right? You know, based upon all these financials, that they are going to be here in twenty years." Mm-hmm. I said, "But I can tell you one thing for sure." If your client doesn't take this this structure, so that this hundred thousand will come out in twenty years, and he takes the cash, I guarantee you he won't have the cash in twenty years. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, the risks are, are often uh, sometimes overstated for people's uh, Most from, from their right. point of view. Right. I'm, I'm glad you came up with what you Absolutely. said. Absolutely, yes, yes. When you meet with your clients, um, I know that people haven't heard about structured settlements. How do you feel that you best educate them about it? I think that it depends certainly on the situation. I mean, one of the hardest challenges we have when we're talking about structured settlements with individuals is that usually the people that come to us are are people with very, very small settlements, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that is one of the challenges is that um, I believe that the average settlement is around $30,000. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, a very, very, it's not the million dollars right. that we, we all imagine or, or the myth. And so uh, convincing someone to structure small amounts of money um, or do it in different ways and not just take the lump sum because they will blow through that very quickly. I mean, like that is, and, and that, that's a hard, um, hard conversation to broach, you know, because especially um, many times people were living in poverty before, and Mm -hmm. this is the first time they've ever seen any money. And I always approach it from the standpoint of, okay, you've never had any money. And I understand, you know, this is an opportunity to pay off your debts. This is an opportunity to get ahead, buy a car, you know, things that you've never had. Mm -hmm. But if you invest and save this money and have it all throughout time, then you have that comfort and security. You can pay your bills every month and not worry about it. Then you'll have $300 more a month to spend on something else, you know, and they are invest with. And so, I mean, it's always looking at the long term and, you know, we live in a, in a society that's not really a short term. What's <laughs> exactly, now? exactly. It's, it's instant gratification. gratification. <laughs> right. Wow. That's, yeah. We said it at the same time. Exactly. That's pretty cool. <laughs> 
Well, that's that's interesting. All of your clients, uh, they're all different in terms of uh, their their disabilities and some of their life uh, experiences, but. There's some commonality, isn't there? Also, that these these people have to deal with uh, from a financial standpoint that you help them with. What, what are some of those common things that you find? What are the threads running through all of these individuals? Uh, one of the things I found in uh, in doing some cases uh, down south, for example, with some very poor people, was they had a tremendous religious mm-hmm. aspect to their lives, and it's almost as if it's almost God's will that right. some of these things happen. Do you find right. that as well? Um, there's definitely that, and I think that the the religious aspect is also very interesting. Um, one of the best speakers I've heard, he's a reverend in New York, and he, he talks about how there's this tradition of tithing, and yes. that you give you know that that wealth accumulation is is a sin, and and, and you know that it's very common in his church where people give over nearly everything they have. And he said, you know, wow. so to convince people that that building assets and saving money is not sinful is is a hard thing to do. And I think that those are those are the common themes. And and when you talk specifically about people with disabilities, I think that that we find that the the most common fear is is the the loss of you know the if they need benefits if they need their health care the health care is essential and being able to afford health care and 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 having some assurances that that's going to be covered is is a really central concern of everyone and that that's a hard Hard thing to, to, you know, you have to accommodate for that and you have to provide for people that need to stay on benefits and working in between all the rules is, can sometimes be very challenging. It is, it is. Mm-hmm. You, um, you're always out and about and talking to different financial institutions and conducting different training seminars. Did you ever imagine that you'd be speaking in front of large groups of people? <laughs> Can you tell me about a few of those engagements? Um, actually, it's, it's quite strange. I started um, when I was in high school. I, would, I did speech and debate, and so it's been second nature to me since I was 14 years old. Um, public speaking has always been part of what no I fear. did and who, wow. you know, and I mean, I, I wasn't always very comfortable with it. it, it it's something I think everybody, you know, ha- practice makes perfect. I don't, so know, I, I don't know if I'd want to debate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so either. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have had um, a number of um, really amazing opportunities and we do uh, an incredible amount of travel and training and public speaking. And so it's all about awareness and education. And you love it. Yeah, I do. Well, I, do. I can understand why you're because you're, you're good at it. Well, let's take a short break, and uh, when we come right back, we'll get some final thoughts from our guest, Megan O'Neill, and uh, we'll be right back. Let's take a little break. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, quite simply the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? 
Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Including Ringler Radio. Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's CLEcenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Well, welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and I'm joined here today by Megan O'Neill, Project Manager for the World Institute on Disabilities Access to Assets Program, and uh, interestingly, a beneficiary of a structured settlement herself. My co-host today has been Ringler Associate Tracy Cass out of our Newport Beach, California office, Tracy's been fun, hasn't it? It's a great, great, and we're enjoying Megan. A lot, an awful lot. Well, Megan, let's uh, let me ask you this: What what advice uh, do you give to the to to our audience on how to wisely choose what's out there in terms of all the choices? How do you how do you help people with that choice? <laughs> I think it's a, a matter of looking at your own personal circumstances and. Trying for the most part, and this is, I think, the, that where financial planners can really come to people's benefit, is that planning for the long term is not an easy thing to do. Looking into the future, especially for people that have just experienced accidents mm-hmm. and life is changing so fast. I mean, they're, they're already experiencing. I experienced a, a change that you never thought you could live through. And so it seeing 30 years down the road is not an easy thing to do. And I think that talking to professionals and looking at your own situation and, and making the best decision that you can for the long term. Well, I'm sure they're pretty appreciative of being able to talk with somebody who can understand their situation. What do you think is the, the most feedback that you get after you're able to kind of explain the situation to them? Um, I think that most of the people that we talk to, um, have never really even thought about long-term financial planning and just to have, um, the situation brought to their, you know, their address. They could, they can think about those sorts of things and they can learn that if they do plan, then they can have long-term financial security, which, you know, it's just one less thing they have to worry about and it provides such freedom and is such the ability for comfort and security. You know, you already are a great debater, right, (laughs) and a great, great speaker, but you're also a great listener. And uh, when you speak and talk to these clients that you have and these these people that are in these situations, I'm sure you're sitting listening to a lot of the things they're saying to you. What have you learned from them? How do you you measure that? Well, uh, the stories are amazing. Um, I've heard stories from people all over the country, and some of the things break your heart. I mean, you you hear some of the saddest stories. I mean, the, the things that people go through and the level of discrimination, the level of oppression, the just, you know, isolation for people. Loneliness. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what we hear a lot of. And I think that 
that's the reason why I got into financial planning and financial management is because that's the key. Economic empowerment is the key to solving things like uh, like isolation. Because if you have the money and the resources, then you know <laughs> it's unfortunate that that's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. But it is is that you can buy your way out. Yeah, well, <laughs> a that's, lot. that's, o- that's very <laughs> yeah. often true. But you know, as important as money is to most of these people in the world. It's just as important that somebody is there caring for right. them and caring right. about what's happening to yeah. them. And that's what you do. And that's uh, terrific. And we thank you for that. Well, Megan, it's been a real pleasure to have you here on the show today. And we've really enjoyed your insight. And uh, I think you've taught our audience quite a bit. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, Megan, how would they do that? Um, we have a toll-free number. It's 866 723 one two zero one as well as our website is www.wid.org well and also if somebody wanted to get in touch with any of us uh, ringlerassociates.com where you can find tracy's uh, address and phone number and also my own and uh, all of our ringler brokers out there and uh, they're all available to help you with a structured settlement just like uh, megan received so i think it's uh, it's in your best interest to really keep us in the loop well, I just want to thank you all again for listening, and we're here from we're here in Toronto. And uh, Tracy, I don't know about you, but I think we should go out and really enjoy the day. Oh, it's beautiful. We and, have to get out. And Megan, again, a, a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Megan. Pleasure. Bye bye now. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. 